Greetings and welcome to the latest episode of the First Day Pod. Join myself, Michael Govier, and my co-host, Leanne Hello, as we dive into life. The show is all about connections, meaningful, powerful, inspirational. We want it to be something of value, no matter who says it or how they do it. If it has a purpose in this world for any human being, it might just work for you. We have a guest today, and her name is Michelle Dickinson. Michelle is a resilience coach and a workplace mental health strategist. Bottom line, she helps others by going first. She puts herself out there first in hopes of inspiring others to warm up after the fact and find their true selves. She's got a great book. It's called Breaking Into My Life. You can get that now on Amazon or wherever you purchase books. We love doing this show, and we hope you enjoy this episode with Michelle Dickinson today. We're doing shows once a month, not weekly anymore. So if you've been here since day one, you'll notice that change. But we're still here, and we will never leave. Now strap in for the latest episode of The First Day Pod. Hey, everybody. Michael Govier, Leanne, hello. We're here live for The First Day Podcast. It's Saturday morning. Good morning. Good morning. That's right. We got a guest today. We're very excited to have... What I think is going to be a very, very entertaining, thoughtful, and actionable human being here in terms of what she has to say and what she has to offer. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I want you to share her bio, but don't forget, firstdaypod at gmail.com. You can email the show. Let us know how you're doing. We have a book club every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. The Zoom link is free. All you got to do is ask us by emailing us. You can DM us on Twitter, firstdaypod, or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. All the social medias are available to you. And don't forget that we've been doing shows on the weekend now for the last two months. So get that locked in your brain. Right? Yes. And the book club, um, I'm really excited. One of our book club members, Laura, if you're listening, thank you. Um, She found a free PDF of the next book. So if um, Monday, so in two days, we're going to be finishing up the last book that we did, Healthy as F. um, And... The next book that we're going to be doing, um, Present Over Perfect, we've got actually the book for you if you don't want to or if you can't, don't have the means to buy it, um, you can do that. But you guys know I love hand copy books that I can like highlight and write in. Um, some people think that's blasphemy, but um, we do have the free PDF for you. So looking forward to starting a new book next week. Woohoo! Yeah! All right. Well, she's been very patient. Yes. Super patient. So, why don't you introduce today's guest? Yes. Oh, my goodness. You guys, I am so excited to have Michelle on today. So, um, she shared this amazing bio, and um, I'm going to share the whole thing because it is really, really powerful. Um, And then I know that we're going to get into a lot of conversation here. So Michelle E. Dickinson is a resilience coach and workplace mental health strategist. She's also a TEDx speaker. What, what? And I watched it. It was so good. So good. Um, She's also a published author of a memoir entitled, entitled Breaking Into My Life. Michelle goes first and sees herself as the bridge that helps people get comfortable with their mental health so that they reach out and get the support that they need before they hit a crisis, which is so important. It's not, I feel like that's one of the big, um, I'll get to the bio, but I feel like that's one of the big things is that people feel like they have to get to crisis first before they need to reach out. So Michelle, I wanna talk about that. 
Um, she makes it okay to not be okay and thrives on making a real difference in the lives of others, especially around their well-being. After years of playing the role of a child caregiver to her bipolar mother, Michelle embarked on her own healing journey of self-discovery. She also knows firsthand what it feels like to struggle with a mental illness after experiencing her own depression due to her divorce. Michelle went on to spend years working to eradicate the mental health stigma within her own workplace by elevating empathy and compassion, causing more open, open conversations and leading real change in how mental illness, illness is understood. She was instrumental in building the largest and fastest growing employee mental health employee resource group while at her Fortune 500 company. She partners with innovative organizations that really care about their people to recenter their staff through her powerful people leader resilience programs that provide tangible daily strategies to preserve well-being she believes that every organization can can have a culture of compassion her signature resilience workshops has made a positive impact on thousands of employees throughout COVID-19 in her practice she works with people to help them reclaim balance and their power and create better structures and routines that help them feel better and in control of their overall emotional well-being now I know that that's long and I didn't want to pare that down because I think it's really really powerful and I also know that our conversations are going to go all over and I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss any of that welcome Michelle thank you so much for being here with us oh my goodness I'm so honored to be here thank you so much for having me thank you okay so yes yeah so where do you want to start? Because there's so many questions. What's your very first thought here? I would love, Michelle, if you're able to kind of touch on, because I'm sure that people haven't gone and watched your TED Talk yet. So I'd like you to kind of touch on a little bit of what like childhood looked like for you, um, because I feel like that was kind of the impetus into where you are now. Oh my goodness, for sure. I mean, um, and thanks for wanting to talk about this. You know, it's not always the most comfortable conversation, but I believe in my heart that more people talking creates more of an access for other people. So I'm just so grateful. And I, I know beyond me being here, the difference you're making with your show. So just thank you. And I want to acknowledge you. So I grew up with a mom who had bipolar disorder. The the typical highs and lows of mania, right? Mania to deep, dark, depressing lows. Um, definitely challenging experience, and it shaped me. You know, something um, something I didn't ask for, but it it taught me a lot. It taught me empathy, taught me compassion, and um, it it shaped me into the woman that that I am today. And it was something that I kept a secret because there's so much shame associated with mental illness. People don't talk about it. Well, I didn't talk about it for so long. And then uh, what happened was a colleague found out about the story and, and actually nominated me to give the TED Talk for the first time. I, you know, there I was telling the story. That's awesome. That is so, so impressive. And you guys, if you haven't watched it yet, because um, some of them may have looked and been like, oh my goodness, okay, I want to find out more about her. Um, we're going to put the link inside of the uh, comments so you guys can definitely look into that because it was a really, 
it was a really cool way. Well, not cool. I guess that's not the word. But for me, it was really neat to see what it looks like from a child looking at her mom going through that because obviously there's no labels at that point. There's no like diagnosis for the child anyway at that point. So that was really impressive. Yeah. So, okay. Are we, are we muted right now? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> we were having some technical difficulties, so I wasn't sure where we were. Um, okay. So, do you want to, like, you tell me where you want to take this because you've got, maybe can you talk a little bit about where you were and like how you got into becoming a resilience coach? Because a lot of people have these traumas and they let that dictate the rest of their life and you really transformed it. Thank you. And, you know, honestly, I... <laughs> It's so funny. I, I believe, and I, we've had conversations, Leanne, about how life is always unfolding for us. And, you know, um, things happen in perfect time. And I was minding my own business, working a corporate job for many, many years, gave the TED Talk. And that was really the pivotal moment that shifted everything for me because I got for myself how storytelling can really make a difference. And I said, well, if I could do this in a 10 minute TED talk, well, what could I do if I wrote a memoir? So I wrote my memoir and with the TED talk and the memoir in my hand, I was given amazing opportunities to, to speak openly about mental health. And um, so when, so with that, I had the opportunity to go to like local rotary clubs and I was doing a lot of public speaking about mental health, a lot. And, and just sharing my story and creating a bridge for people. Um, and then what happened was I was going through a divorce. And so I had always looked at mental health being out there. Like that, that was something my mom had. It wasn't anything I had. It was just, you know, oh, I feel bad for you. Well, here I am confronted you know, with the fact that now I'm having a hard time getting out of bed, I'm having a hard time functioning. And oh, wow, this is not easy. And I was trying to keep my job and maintain my performance. And so what was very interesting to me is as we're building this ERG, this employee resource group for mental health, we have leaders on board, we have conversations about, you know, removing stigma, but my very own boss did not extend to me the level of compassion that I had hoped for. And it was perfect because her lack of compassion and sensitivity uh, was in my face and made me get connected to the opportunity to educate people, specifically people leaders. Uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so um, it was serendipity. I actually was uh, going through a reorganization in my company and my position was eliminated. So it was an opportunity for me to really look at my life and say, I got this book, I got this TED talk. I have this passion now that's been ignited in me to do more. I'm leaving the industry. I just left the industry, started my own company, started my company right before the pandemic because that's a great idea. And actually it was a great idea because so many people were working from home and my my first few clients wanted support in helping people um, who were feeling isolated and um, you know not connected and dealing with things. So my resilience program was born. And so I, I was delivering through Zoom my resilience program. And then that is what, let, I'm trying to get to the punchline here. That was what led me to become a resilience coach because people wanted that one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
I'll shut up. <laughs> no! No, 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 no! Oh, you went down. Oh, Ooh. sorry. There you go. No, no, no. This has been fantastic. Oh, my gosh. And that, what I love about that whole in and out way around it is because that's what real life is. That's how things happen. Um, and I, in our conversations with people on here, we don't do like a full on like pre-interview where we're like, okay, here are the questions. And now like, let's get this streamlined. So it sounds really tight because then when people are listening to it, then it's like, oh my gosh, my life's not tight. I didn't go from point A to point B. I went A to B back to like A up to Z all over. Right. So seeing that one of the things, and I know that this is going to be like a, a sexist thing, I guess. I don't know. I, it was fascinating to hear. Did you say that your boss was a she that was not empathetic and yeah. compassionate through that? That's fascinating. Okay, okay so uh, we got a lot of comments here. Oh. Go, Ghost Floof. Ghost Floof says, always refreshing to see someone truly intellectual go, okay, I might be talking too much, but I wish he kept going on. Oh, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, well, look, I appreciate when people are just themselves and we prefer them to be themselves on this show. And that's why we had Michelle on in the first place. We also have other commentary. This is from Josh. He says, it takes a lot to find a state to be able to be open and honest about mental illness of the people around you and your own mental illness. What do you think of that, Michelle? It's true. I mean, honestly, though, you know, I think when people who have been affected by mental illness get they have the ability to cause a ripple effect with just sharing. I think more people would do it um, and stop focusing so much on how they look because what's really at stake is if they do open up, then they can kind of create a pathway for someone else. I've never been more uncomfortable in a live stream space. I'm just being honest right now. This is the worst. I'm never gonna do it like this again. <laughs> I'm so cramped in here. I feel so uncomfortable right now. Michelle's great, but I'm constantly like, uh, uh. get comfortable because this we, is we really important. I know it's important. <laughs> I'm just being honest. If we're gonna be honest about everything, I'm gonna be honest about it all the time. That's what I do in this show. You can't tell me what to do. We're live now. Yes, what I are you gonna do? You gonna stop me? Yes. Ah, <laughs> I'm a madman out of control. No, look, we got a lot of great commentaries here. Also, a question, Michelle, and maybe this is obvious, but I don't think it is for everybody. What is a resilience coach? Oh. I love this question because a lot of people are so familiar with life coach, career coach, uh, all kinds of other coaches. So a resilience coach, what, what do I actually do is I help people discover for themselves their own resilience within themselves. And, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, what qualifies me to do that? I mean, I've experienced so much adversity myself through my depression, but also before I was diagnosed with depression and going through that, I was always by nature a very curious person about myself. So I put myself through a lot of self-discovery work, um, a lot of reflective work um, so that I could understand myself better. And from those experiences and from my own depression and from caring for my mom, I learned strategies that literally help pull me out of the mud when I start to suffer. So I just, I want to share those with people and I want to help. I want to invite them to consider they're already strong within. Um, and they have their own answers. It's just a matter of kind of connecting with them and having them realize that. 
Beautiful. That's a great response. Thank you so much for that. I think um, one of my other questions, and you know, I'm not trying to be offensive to you. It's just something I've discussed with Leanne a lot, and it's TED Talks in general. Now, there's a lot of TED Talks out there, and some people think it's like jump the shark. Like there's so many TED Talk experiences, and I'm not trying to minimize yours at all, but I wonder how you feel you can make an impact through TED Talks because there's a certain segment of the population now that thinks they're like there's they become satire and there's been a lot of parodies about them because they just got so flooded over the last 10 years or so. I'm curious to see what your opinion is on all that. If you look at the the of the uh, what is it the slogan behind TED, it's ideas worth sharing. Right. And we all have ideas. Right. So why? why is it a bad thing for people to get on a stage and share an idea? I think that that's where the, the biggest growth can be um, is if we stay curious as adults and just drink from the well, what we wish, you know, and leave the rest for someone else who is interested, you know? That's beautiful. Okay. I mean, Lee ended a Ted talk and I think it was wonderful. I'm all about it. I mean, I'm a recovering cynic anyways. I'm much more, open to what it takes to put yourself out there and risk yourself. It's a lot easier to sit on the sidelines and belittle other people or even yourself. And then you end up missing out on opportunities. I spent a chunk of my life doing that and I wish I hadn't. And there was other factors that played into a lot of stuff that I had to work through. But now here I am, I'm trying to do everything I can to do what I wanted to do with my life in the first place. All of these things could come up in your own life where you feel like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be the center of attention or maybe uh, people you could start playing a lot of mind games inside your head to talk yourself out of doing a lot of things. I mean, yesterday, for example, me and Leanne, we went over to downtown Detroit for a Lions preseason game and we were supposed to talk to a bunch of people like walk up to them and do like a man on the street interview situation. That's that was hard. It would have been a lot easier to be like, you know what? This people don't want to talk to us. Let's just leave. But we didn't. We stayed there, and it ended up being a very rewarding, rich experience. We met a lot of people, and we learned a lot about humanity just by talking to 20 or so people. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. I feel like we need to remember how, you know, how similar we are to one another, not how different we are, you know, because as human beings, like, my goodness, we have the same emotions, like, and people are beautiful souls if you just give them a chance and you just connect. Yes, see, I totally agree with that. I, I probably could have been really cynical and sarcastic about that 10 years ago, but I get it now. And I think it's probably part of the maturation of human development. Uh, we got another comment here from Ghost Floof. People that are truly in pain will always be at the stage where they are willing to listen. If you hear someone talk and every word goes over your head, we can only hope it will reach you someday. What do you think of that, Michelle? <clears throat> I, I think, you know, it, it reminds me of when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So when people are ready to hear a message, they're, they're, they're present. When they're not, it just it, it goes over their head to, to his point, her point, whoever that is. <laughs> Yep. And I think that's part of the reason why TED is so important, yeah. because it is oversaturated. There are if you want to go and find out about resiliency, you'll find the best talk and then you'll find other talks as well. <laughs> so you'll find um, you'll find a whole bunch. But 
if there was only one talk on resilience and there was only one talk on hugs, you would hear it and then you would never listen to that talk again because you're not ready for it and you would move on. But now, because there's a ton of them, the one that you need to hear when you need to hear it will be there. That's why it's super important. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Okay, so speaking of talking and getting those conversations going and can you tell us a little bit about your Michelle's conversations that matter? Because I have just started diving into them and I am in love. I actually was afraid that I might've been late for this one because I started getting into one and I was like, oh my goodness, stop it. You need to get over and talk to the woman herself. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you for diving in. It's uh, been sort of probably like you guys with your first day pod. Um, it was it was a labor of love. I had started this maybe a year and a half, two years ago, um, where I was like, well, what else can I be doing uh, to raise this conversation around mental health and empowerment and leadership and talk about really meaningful topics? And that's when I created Michelle's Conversations That Matter, because I knew that I had so many people who I had come up I mean, that I've met, that I had, uh, that it inspired me, that I wanted to showcase their story. Because like I said, through storytelling, we can make a big difference. So I just started recording these. StreamYard is my platform as well. And I have probably now close to 200 interviews, 400 followers. And I love, I love getting to do it. And, um, and it's purely a passion project. Yes, that is so, so beautiful. I just started listening to the one, um, oh, forgive me, I'm not gonna remember his name, but Zach, yes, that one is phenomenal. Um, so when you said that you were taking, you told us that you were always curious and looking at like self-awareness and diving in, when, do you mind sharing like kind of when that started that you had actually like starting to get into that and what that kind of looked like and what that kind of looked like in the beginning of getting into that process. Yeah, I think if I was to go back and think about this, it was probably in my 30s. I so growing up with my mom, you know, having a bipolar mother is such a volatile experience as a little girl, right? I had all different varieties of my mom, whether it was the loving mom, the abusive mom, the controlling mom, I mean, I write all about the different iterations of my mom in my book. Um, and that shaped me. But I was the girl who was like, look, I made it. I have a job. I'm contributing to society. It didn't defeat me, right? And so I was working and everything was going great. And then uh, I think I it was at the moment when I lost my father. My father passed away. My mother passed away first and then my father passed away. And I was up against a lot of anger, grief, every all the emotions that go through you as you have to say goodbye to a loved one. And I had a mentor tell me, you know, you're mad, but what is happening to you is you're being triggered by this event. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not being triggered. I'm perfectly fine. But it was a gift that she highlighted that for me, that it wasn't happening out there. It was, it was actually probing something within me that I needed to look at. And so with her recommendation, I went and I did my first self-discovery course. And I must have been in my 30s, I want to say. And that just started to continue because I was naturally curious. I was like, all right, so 
that's one layer. Let's, let's lift the lid and look at the next layer. So all of this gave me an opportunity to start to heal. And the curiosity was, was born. Uh, it used to be, I was afraid. I didn't want to look. I was, um, I was determined that I was okay, but in reality, I wasn't really looking, looking in the mirror. So I'd say in my thirties, I did, uh, first I did landmark. I did the entire curriculum for living for landmark. Then I dove headfirst into Tony Robbins work, did Tony Robbins work. And that was great. And then the interview that you're talking about that you saw a part of with Zach yesterday is a reflection of a retreat that I just did about two months ago that blew my mind. So that's fantastic. We got a couple comments here again. I want to jump in. If you guys are in the live stream and the live chat is open, pop in here and you can ask questions or just comment. Josh says, I can relate with that feeling of saying I am fine and not being fine. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a classic one here. And uh, Ghost Flu says, I'm truly sorry for your loss, Michelle. That's very sweet. Thank you. Very nice of you to say that. And then going back a little bit further, he also said, you go seek a therapist because you finally accept that you really need help. Not because peer pressure overwhelmed you or inundation sprung you. Huh? That's, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was just saying. That's funny because I think there really is that sense of desire even if on the surface you look like or you're saying oh i'm fine i don't need help i don't need you there's a lot of grumblings and one of the things i'm curious about your work michelle is you know is it only for people that are ready to go because i thought part of it is there's a lot of people who are resilient and you're a resilience coach too so they're going to be hesitant they're fearful of the change even though maybe deep down they really want to talk to someone and go through an experience that will give them something so meaningful in terms of a awakening or even borderline spiritual experience. But on the surface, there's a lot of people, I've experienced it personally, who are like, I don't want to do this and you don't know what you're talking about and I'm, no way. What do you think of all that? How do you get through to all that stuff? You know, I, I have always believed that mental health in general see we relate to mental health as either you're mentally ill or you're mentally well but in reality mental health and our emotional well-being as i like to call it is a little bit it's a little bit softer is a continuum and life has us in any given moment you know we're, we're gliding across the continuum we need to move away from these labels you're mentally ill you're mentally well you know because we're human beings with complex emotions, having a human experience, and life sometimes can be hard. So my angle has always been, why don't we preserve our emotional well-being? Why don't we look and, and see what can we do every day, every single day to boost our resilience so that we don't find ourselves at a point where, oh my gosh, I'm having a crisis. Right. Like oftentimes people ignore their emotional well-being until something happens and then boom. Um, and so I like to teach people, let's preserve it. Let's just keep you healthy. Let's just do what we can do every day to like, I guess, like water the garden of our minds so that we we're building resiliency every day. 
Beautiful. It also, it almost, like, when you explain it that way, to me, it feels like you're the stretching, like, that you do before a workout. And and if you do the stretching with Michelle, you might not have to do that major workout at the end because you're doing all of the little pieces up to it. So that, and it might not even come across properly, but to me, that was the visual that I had, that it was just like, and we don't do that. We wait until we're at crisis and we're like, oh my gosh, now I have to go and like work out at the gym, you know, six days a week because I'm in such a bad space. Right. And you've never stretched up until that point. You've never been limber up until that point. So it's hard. So then if you can work with Michelle and something does still happen, that's crisis. You lose somebody, you lose your job, you do whatever. Now you have all of that resource to be able to not have to be so hard in the comeback kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Work. How have you been, because you work a lot with corporations, right? Mm -hmm. How has that been, like, how have you been received in, in that? It's, it's been a very interesting journey. There's a couple of things I want to address that you just said. And thank you for saying all that, um, Liam, because I, I fundamentally want people to be more comfortable talking about brain health. I really want them to understand the brain is just another organ. And if we ignore it, like we would ignore, uh, I don't know, an injured shoulder, is it, is it going to go away or is it going to continue, continue to, to bother you? So like give it the attention it deserves. That is first and foremost. So, um, but how, how I work in general, uh, I'll talk about the corporate in a second, but how do, how I work with individuals is like, I have a resilience roadmap. I have things people can do every single day and I have a resilience audit. Let's just get real. What are your daily practices? What are your habits? What's your routine? And, and we do like this little diagnosis and then we jump right into the resilience roadmap and say, all right, these are some small, small changes can yield big results. And so that's how I work with individuals, how I work in the corporate setting. It's very interesting. A lot of corporations are starting to pay attention, thank goodness, to mental health, right? Because COVID is like demanding. Employees are like, listen, I got real clear on what mattered to me when I was locked down in my place. So, you know, and I'm choosing the company where I work. And so the company that takes care of me is going to get my loyalty. So all of those things are very important. So companies are recognizing the importance of doing more than just handing someone an 800 number and looking away. They're realizing that. And that was the old school mentality. We have EAP, we have benefits. Here's that hotline number. You, you just go call that. So what I do is I, I get HR leaders to realize what's missing is the bridge. People have trepidation around even picking up the phone and calling that number. They're not going to, they're afraid. They're afraid their manager's gonna find out. They're afraid people are gonna know. They're probably afraid of what his treatment look like because I hear horror stories. I don't wanna go on some medication that's gonna numb me to the world. So there's all of these barriers that prevent people from even accessing what companies offer. So I get in there and say, let me just normalize this conversation for you. Let me just have employees get, really, there's no shame. If you look at the data, so many people are struggling and you're not alone. Like, let's just normalize this. Let's just make it okay. Let's make mental health cool and utilize what companies are paying money for, but employees just don't feel comfortable using. That is awesome. And we, um, you said before, actually, I don't. Okay, sorry guys, I don't know if it was in here or a conversation before, but you said that in um, during COVID, 
a lot of us, that was the first time that we were really noticing our own mental issues that our own mental things. Um, but then coming out of it now, we're kind of, there's a lot of us that are saying, well, everybody went through it. So, you know, it's not really an issue and I don't really want to go and get help because like literally the world went through it. So who am I to not be able to handle this? So that's a big thing. How do you kind of address that with people when, I mean, this is the first time that we've really went through a world pandemic. And, and you're so right with what you said. Um, I think I might've shared this in Master Networks during um, my, my showcase. We all feel like, who are we to complain, right? We all just went through this. Therefore we diminish, we diminish how we're feeling, right? The guy over there lost his job. The guy over there lost their partner. God forbid, you know, oh, you, uh, my friend's dealing with financial, um, you know, strain right now. Who am I to complain? But when you do that comparison, it doesn't, it doesn't diminish how in reality, how you're doing, cause you're not doing a hundred percent. So you have to recognize that everybody had a very unique experience during COVID past traumas, past life experiences had that play out very, very differently for, for you than it did for, for me. Right. And so we might've been in the same body of water, but we were all in very different boats. And I try to remind people of that because uh, how COVID unfolded for you, the magnitude of loss you experienced could be very different than the person next to you. So don't diminish, right? All I can tell you is if you've lost a sense of joy and aliveness and fulfillment in your life, there's an opportunity to reclaim that by looking at it. Wow. I so like good. that. We got a couple comments again here. Uh, Josh says, Preventative maintenance for the mental well-being. And also, going back to what you were just talking about with corporations and workplaces, Michelle, I wish this would be available with the VA, Veterans Affairs. A lot of veterans seem to need that same type of help. Same concept, I'm sure, right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm in. I, listen, my goal this year, so you know, is to touch 10,000 lives. So if anyone wants to introduce me to someone where I can – I can be on that mission to touch 10,000 lives, I would be honored. So I'm, I'm just out to make as big of a difference as I can. I believe that I'm here for this purpose and that's what I'm up to. So that is so amazing. I know Leanne likes that. Yes, I do. I do. And I think it's great having a number on it because then you'll, you'll hit it and you'll probably exceed it you'll probably exceed it we actually the thing that we did yesterday we were supposed to talk to 20 to 25 people and it was way harder than we thought but in, in the back of our mind that was the number that we had to reach and so we were spending all this time doing it but every talk that we were having instead of just asking the questions and it was like a two or three minute thing it ended up turning into like a 10 minute conversation because it was so cool meeting different people and they had so much to say so at the end of it we're walking back and mike goes through all the things he said i think we only got like 14 or 16 but we have to be okay with that and when we looked at it, we ended up talking to 21 people. The universe has this really cool way of when you're clear about it, even if you don't know what that path looks like, you can reach it if you're clear. So I love that you've got 10,000. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. And you're right. You know what? Here's the deal. I am on track to probably exceed that. 
you're not even wrong. It's It's been wild because the first few months of the year, I was like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do this. So now I have just amazing opportunities showing up and I'm like, the universe is listening. <laughs> Yay! Yes. Another comment from Ghost Floof. It's not about having handled it. It's about doing what therapists have been advocating for years. Truly take a step back, sitting down and looking where you actually are in life. Who am I to question mark? Doesn't even fit here. That's something you should truly be proud of if you had an epiphany or otherwise. I do like this. This points to something that I tell my clients all the time especially ambitious entrepreneurs like you know this Leanne like ambitious entrepreneurs are always looking at where they want to go right they're looking at that mountain that they want to climb but they have rarely stop and look in the rear view at how far they've come and so I'm always telling people you know what it's really good to be ambitious but it's also really good to recognize give yourself grace on how far you have come <laughs> Ghostloof says, you make me sound so deep and wise. Well, because you are, clearly. That's good stuff. We appreciate that. We love when people interact with us in real time on the First Day Pod. We're here with Michelle Dickinson, and we're talking about life here. We're talking about trying to make a difference in people's lives in a positive way and how mental health is on a continuum. You're not just well or ill. I love that thought. That's something I always know and I talk about. And frankly, Mental health should probably go to, we're just talking about our overall health because to say your mental health and your physical health are separate, it's just, that's silly, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I say there's no health without mental health. Exactly. And I think a lot of people know that it's just about changing terminology and that takes time. And I, I've dealt with that in my own experience. Josh says being in the present and having good self and social awareness. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think about, my own experience, you know, I was on opioids and it destroyed my life. Four and a half years free. I'll be five years in October. Thank you. And I think about how I use terminology and I'm trying to change so many stigma issues. And that's the same story here. Mental health is a part of substance use disorder as well. And it's so important to me to change little words here and there instead of saying junkies and addicts, all that stuff's got to go because you're not going to, you're going to feed into a certain, you know, identity. Oddly enough, it, it may sound sick or crazy to some people, but when you use these terms about yourself, they're self-deprecating that you're, this is who I am. You know, I don't, I've been in a thousand 12-step meetings and I support them as an entryway to get people off the streets. But, you know, they always say, you call yourself an addict and call yourself an addict forever. You don't have to do that necessarily. You got to think about it's a learned behavior. Believe it or not, you learned and you became addicted, but you learned to take opioids. And that's what happened to me. I learned that and I became ill because of it. But I could also unlearn that behavior. I don't have to be an addict for the rest of my life. Oh my goodness. Thank you for saying that because your behavior at one point in your life does not dictate your identity. Like, oh my goodness. I can't imagine. So if you're interested in learning more about words and how our words create our world, Leanne just started watching the episode about that I had yesterday on Michelle's Conversations That Matter on YouTube. I interviewed a wonderful man named Zach and we talked about this. We talked about the power of our words and how our words spoken into the universe create. 
So if you want to take more responsibility over your words and your experience, that's a great, that's a great interview. I actually just rewatched it this morning because I needed to hear his message again. So good. That's amazing. And I'm only like at the beginning part of it. And it's funny because I always listen to everything at two times the speed because I'm like, I know that like, I knew it was going to be good, but I was like, oh, I just want to like get through it. And then I was like, I, I can't do that with this one. So like I slowed it back down and I wanted to take it in. A lot of the stuff he was saying were, uh, it was a lot of, he's got a very simple way of saying things that we're all dealing with. And um, a lot of it was a lot of the books that we've been reading, not that that's where he's getting it from, but it, it reminded me of Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and just being conscious and, it used to what i'm really excited about the work that you're doing especially bringing into corporations is that it used to be that it was more of a oh i'm not a hippie i'm not a yoga i'm not a this i'm not a that and that was like the stigma of if you're going into personal development and spirituality and all this kind of stuff then you must be this like really soft yeah <laughs> um kind of person and it's not it affects everybody and the the interview that i heard um uh, that I was, I was in the comments, uh, Doug, was it? And he was really fascinating because he was major CEO corporate and yet still talks about the same type of thing. Yes. Yes. I know. I love that. He's got this blueprint. That's the other interview I did yesterday. Doug, it was a former CEO of, uh, Campbell soup. And we spoke about how he's helping Imagine he's helping executive leaders who are lacking fulfillment, right? They got all the success and the money in the world and they are struggling because they don't have fulfillment. He's actually helping them identify their values and, and move in a direction toward fulfillment. And you're right. It all starts with um, looking within. And uh, so he was, he was talking about Brene Brown's quote about, you know, walking in your story instead of walking outside of it. So yeah, it all comes back to that looking in the mirror and being self-aware. Look, um, there's a lot of people have a certain personality type where they are committed to their job and it's, it's all they do. It's all they know. And they, sometimes they sacrifice their own family life. They're not as close to their kids, but they've been hugely successful in the corporate world. And I think frankly, a lot of people who make it that high up on the ladder in the executive world of corporations, CEO, of course, you know, it's great that Doug has had that awareness because you don't get that very often from CEOs. So I think a lot of the people in that realm, if I was to go in there and look around, I'd find a lot of similar folks who were, they were so dedicated to making it. And I want to get this far and my career, my career, my career equals security, security, security. And then you're like, okay, wow. I didn't really focus on anything else in my life. I'm here now, and that's how they lack that fulfillment. To me, I see it as that's just cut and dry. That's pretty easy to identify. And I think a lot of people would do well to reconsider what does it mean to, you know, make it in your life? What are you looking for? If you only got one shot on this planet, you know, that's what I firmly believe. You get one shot. You get one go around here. What are you going to do with it, and how are you going to use your time? I think those are very important questions that, not everybody asks themselves. They just lock in and then 15, 20 years go by and poof. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't think about myself at all. <laughs> it's so true. It's, you know, it's so good that you're mentioning that, you know, for me, I worked in the corporate world and 
I didn't even realize it was happening to be totally honest with you, but it, it was becoming my identity. And I, and I, I talk to people all day long, like, you know, people that I'm even coaching that are like, um, their job, if they lose their job, their identity, just like in my situation where I was like, oh, well, who am I without that yardstick to measure who I am? Like, oh, I really have to look in the mirror now and say, what do I want? You know, and Tony Robbins talks about something. He says like, you know, you can have success without fulfillment or you can have fulfillment without success. But the perfect, the perfect thing is to have the success and the fulfillment. And, and you got to work toward that. And, and in order to do that, you got to look within. Amazing. Yeah, that's really well said. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a couple more comments here. Mm -hmm. Go says people very rarely realize how powerful their own brains are. If nothing else, pathological liars is the world's first and foremost piece of evidence that we can convince our brains what we need it to tell back to us. Use the wrong way. That will always hurt you. Okay, that's fascinating. Uh, Go says, as long as I can eat 200 more cheeseburgers, I'm content. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, good. I think that was probably... I think that was probably on the your goal of 10,000 people and her. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we're live here with Michelle E. Dickinson. We've got a couple more minutes, and we're going to close out the show. Um, Michelle, we really haven't talked enough, and I want to give you the opportunity to share this information. Um, if people are like, wow, I like what I'm hearing, and I want to learn more and possibly contact you, what's the, what's the easiest way to do that? Where do people go, and how does that work? You're streaming this on Facebook, so I would say hit me up on Facebook. It's probably easier, like through Messenger, or um, I have a very active presence on LinkedIn, so you can check me out on LinkedIn as well. Um, I always love hearing from people. I love hearing your comments. Even if you just want to say hello, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. Um, so thank you. Yeah, that's great. I, you know, I didn't know. I've heard Leanne talk about you many times. And I'm really glad we got this chance to sit down. I think you're very thoughtful and clearly you've considered what you want to do and how you got to the point you're at now. And you got a lot of experience in certain realms, which could be really useful to the people you're trying to connect with. But you're trying to connect with everybody. I mean, 10,000 people, that's a swath of people from all over this great globe of ours. And I respect that. This has been pretty cool. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. Michelle, I am so, so, so grateful for you coming on here. I just I adore our conversations whenever we get a chance to talk. So just being able to share that with everybody that's listening, I think, is so, so powerful. So thank you for being here. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. I adore you, my dear. And it's just been a true pleasure. Thank you guys for wanting to talk about this and for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, we really appreciate Michelle E. Dickinson joining us. Hit up her up on Facebook if you want to find out more. You can message her directly. And this link on Facebook. We're also on Twitter and, of course, YouTube. Twitch and YouTube, sorry. And Ghost Floof was on Twitch and says, This has been so fun. Thanks for reading my comments with that voice. Hee <laughs> hee. You're welcome. Uh, the voice. This guy's into the voice or she's in the, I don't know if this is a he or she. I don't know who that is. But thank you, Ghost Floof. Good to know you. And everybody, we thank you for coming to the First Day Pod. We're here on the weekends. We know our schedule has changed quite a bit recently. For those of you that have been here since day one, uh, we do apologize. Uh, we're still here, though. We're not gone. We're just, uh, you know, we're doing more of like a monthly thing, right? I don't know what we're doing. We're trying to be here. But if you guys want to be on the show um, or if you have met people that you're like, man, they have a story to tell, just like Michelle said, there's so much power in sharing stories. That's what we're all about. We would love, love, love to be connected with those people or with you. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for being here. And I think that's it. 
Also, remember, what Michelle's doing, and this is something I've thought about, this is the last thought, is it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it or why you do it. If you're trying to help others in any capacity, even if it's for the most selfish reason possible, who cares? Other people are getting help and you're trying to be a vessel for good in the world. So even if it's just to fill a massive ego, if you're somebody who's like, you know what? I'm obsessed with myself. I'm going to change the world. Okay, great. As long as that includes you going out there and talking to people and helping them, I don't care what your motivations are. And I think, I think that's a good closing thought here is whatever the motivation is, try to make a difference in the world. Right, Michelle? Oh my gosh. Yes. Beautiful. All right, there it is. Thank you so much. Don't forget First Day Pod Book Club, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Got a new book starting too. Yes, Present Over Perfect. That'll be next week. This week, we're going to be finishing up Healthy as F. And um, so if you want to kind of just audit it and see what it's all about, you can come in next week. Um, and I don't pick on you unless you're winner of veterans, then I'll pick on you and make sure you talk. But um, if you're new, I won't pick on you. You can just kind of check it out and then see if you want to join us for the next book. Firstdaypod at gmail.com. There it is. Email us and we'll go from there. All right. Thanks so much to Michelle Lee Dickinson for myself and Leanne. That'll do it. 